This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Hello again, my name's Jeff, and I'm so pleased to see you, and uh, we're going to dig into the Word of God again. We're going through the book of James, and we're going through it from start to finish. That was the way it was written, and so it's a good way to look at it, and we're going to learn, continue to learn from the, uh, the book of James. This is, this is part three. If you missed the first two parts, you can catch up on podcast or on YouTube, no problem at all. And the letter from James to the church... At that time, James was the leader of the Jerusalem church for 20 years. He's writing to the church, which is us, irrespective of our denomination or where we happen to meet or what part of the world we meet in. This message, this, this word is still relevant today. So James is speaking into, uh, into, to, to us right now, and it's about practical Christian living. And, you know, it's important, I think, that we don't separate the spiritual and the practical Real big deal to me, this, because everything is spiritual, and spiritual is practical. Because if God touches the heart of somebody and transforms the life, that has a practical outworking in every aspect of our lives. So don't denigrate or, or put down the practical uh, uh, lower than the spiritual. They walk hand in hand, they work together. So God speaks, and what happens to us in a, as we are transformed changes and touches people's lives. So James is speaking into that, and I believe that when our lives are transformed and we change, the natural outworking of that should be a blessing to others. In the church community and outside the church community, we should be a blessing. We ought to be. It's natural. It's normal that God will then put us in position that we will be a blessing and we get to speak to others uh, but not only speak, but also be an example to, to others. So practical and spiritual go together. Christianity should have a practical influence on, on impact on society. Done well, the Christian life adds value, if I'm putting it that way, to other people. So we're not separatist. We're not this is us, and you know the 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 rest of the rest of you can get on with it. No, we want to be inclusive, draw people in, but also have a, a means of touching lives and helping people, irrespective of who they are, where they are, and what has happened. Now, James, in chapter two, that we're going to read in just a moment, or some of chapter two, directly speaks into a situation, and he uh, speaks into that. So, he, if you like, he addresses a problem, and establishes a principle. Now, you have principles that you live by. Some of them may be uh, family heritage, that this is what we do, this is what we've always done, and, and that's brilliant. And as Christians, we should have principles that we live by. The Word of God, in, to be a person of integrity, to all tell the truth, and so on. To be honest, all of this kind of stuff are things we live by. And when we live by these principles, God-ordained principles, New Testament and Old Testament principles, God's principles, it does have a positive impact 
on the society we, we live in. So James in chapter 2, and we're going to read in just a moment, is speaking directly into an issue in the church at that particular time, uh, one of favoritism, where some people were being treated better than others. Because of their status or wealth, they were getting better treatment than others. Now, we pride ourselves in being a welcoming community, and that's not me, that's us. And that's not just what I do or the, or the leadership team do. It's what we all do in welcoming people, whoever they are. So on, with that in mind, let's have a look at what he says in, in uh, chapter 2 of his letter. We're going to read a chunk of verses. There's a whole chunk in here. And as ever, James doesn't pull any punches. He says it like it is. And you think, you, why is it so hard? But here it is. It's the Word of God. Verse 2 of James 2. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes comes along. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, he's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is not the rich who, who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are not, they not the ones blaspheming the noble name of him whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. What? He goes for the big, the big, big deal right away. Speak and act to those who are going to be judged as, I'll say that again, verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And one of these big one-liners, mercy triumphs over judgment. It's a beaut. Mercy triumphs over Judgment. And we're going to come back to that in a moment. But I want us to kind of get into, into this and, and, and see uh, what James is communicating. He uses a term, I can't find it anywhere else in Scripture, the royal law. So he's saying that to love your neighbor as yourself is the royal law. Quite a statement. He's elevating this, this principle, this law, this instruction from God, which is historically through the Old and New Testament, still relevant today, absolutely. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he calls that the royal law. He says, there's no room for favorites. In Jesus' teaching, he says the same. He says right through the, uh, the New Testament, and he sums up the commandments by saying, the commandments are love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus sums them up. So this is what James calls, or coins a phrase, the royal law. He's spelling it out crystal clear, no uh, ambiguity, no confusion. The law, the royal law, is to love your neighbor as yourself. 
Now, the first problem we can have with that is we might not love ourselves a whole lot. You might be really down on yourself. So I want to help you this morning to see that God loves you unconditionally, that God loves you like no one else has ever loved you or could ever love you. And so don't be down on yourself. Begin to love yourself as God loves you. And I don't mean about putting selfies on Facebook that you, where you're pouting and uh, look, look, looking good. That's not what we mean, right? We're talking about valuing yourself as God values you. We all look uh, differently. Our mothers love us the way we look, so that's a good start. And hopefully our wives, our husbands, our family do. So don't worry about this stuff, but understand that God loves us. I sees us as we are and loves us and helps us to change. He's spelling it out. And we are a diverse community at Life Church, different colors, different backgrounds, different age groups. And our values to be a welcoming community and to be a generational community, two of our 12 values, are deliberate. And because we've made sure that they, they are values, that's why you know, you get what you believe for, you get what you work for, you get what you plan for. And so we are welcoming, and I trust if you've not received that, if you don't feel welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you came today. I'm absolutely delighted to see your face, and I'm trying to eyeball everybody if I possibly can, because you are welcome. This is a welcoming community. If you are young, old, or where do I fit in? What, whoever you are, whoever you are, you are welcome. Now, this, stu- this stuff matters, right? It absolutely matters, and we can say it, and we can write it on a website or, or put it somewhere else, but it only means anything if it's a value that we work with, that we live by, and so we, we, we're welcoming and we are generational. So we have to be impartial on purpose, So when James says, love your neighbor as yourself, you have to deliberately be that kind of person. And, you know, your neighbor's not just the person who lives next door to you. Terry and Lindsay, who live next door to Trisha and I, and Anne, who lives across the road, who's actually on the back row. Hi, Anne, uh, this morning. They are my neighbors, but my neighbors, the Bible tells us, and I've got great neighbors. I'm not just saying that because Anne's here, but uh, I've got great neighbors, But the Bible tells us that everyone is our neighbor. Everyone's our neighbor. So everyone that I meet, not just on my, the road that I live in, or or the town I'm from, or, or the people who I can get along with. No, everyone's my neighbor. So I have to be, make a deliberate decision to be impartial and to welcome people. Now, we get on with some people more than others. We spend more time with other people. That's not to exclude anybody else. That's just kind of how we roll. And that's just kind of life, how life puts us together with people. But first and foremost, love your neighbor as yourself. Or other words, another way of putting it, treat your neighbor the way that you would like to be treated. And that kind of matters. We've all been to places where we're not quite sure whether we're welcome. We've all been to places where we're not sure whether, will I fit in here? Is, do the, is there room for me here? Am I needed here? The answer to all the above is a big yes. Absolutely. 
because we are needed, you are welcome, you are valued, you are appreciated, and we'll do our very best for you to uh, feel that, know that, and understand that. So it's about showing the same honor and respect for anybody that we would perhaps, or some would perhaps do to uh, a person of dignity, uh, a person of high authority, or a person of great wealth. There could be most of you could be millionaires, for, I, for all I know. So, uh, but we treat everyone the same, right? Absolutely the same. Just to make clear that I'm definitely not one of those. So we choose the royal law. It was Levitical law, Old Testament, to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's established early doors, right through the Old Testament, New Testament, and the teachings of Jesus, and the 2,000 years of the church so far, love your neighbor as yourself has always been the royal law. Love God and love your neighbor. It's a principle to live by, and it guides how we treat other people. If I'm thinking, if at the front of my mind, at the front of my brain is, love your neighbor as yourself, if, I, if I've got that, Always I'm thinking about that, and I'm, like, the re- like most of the rest of you, I'm way short of perfect, but if I'm thinking that all the time, I'm loving this person as I would want to be loved. I'm treating this person as I would wish to be treated. Then it is a transformational uh, thing. And James says, you know, if you break this law, you've broken all the laws, Seems a bit harsh because he brings in murder and adultery, you know, big ticket items. He, bring, he brings those things in right there at the same time as showing partiality to other people, one person over another. And it's a bit like a piece of glass. You know, if a glazer comes to replace a, a, a pane of glass in your, your house and uh, it comes and it's, it's just a little bit cracked, you say, hang on a minute, don't put that in. I want something that's not cracked. Well, it's just a little bit cracked. It's a bit like, you know, when you have a flat tire. It's only flat at the bottom. So it's not, it's not, but that flat is flat. Broken is broken. That's what it is. So what James is communicating here is keep all the law, not just bits of it that suit you. Don't think some bits don't matter a whole lot. Keep the whole law, and God gives us the strength with His Holy Spirit living in us to do that. Verse 12 of James 2, read this again. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Now, it's an interesting kind of term to say the law of freedom. It seems to be an oxymoron, a contradiction, something in one sentence that contradicts the point of what it is. It would appear to be that. Either it's freedom, either I've got freedom, or I'm covered by the law. But actually, we understand that laws help us to have freedom. And so, for example, we have the highway code, and we have various laws of um, uh, using the roads, and some of us perhaps are better at keeping them than others. Uh, don't say anymore. We have current and former police officers in the room, uh, but we, some of us are better, are better than others, perhaps at that. But the law gives us freedom. 
Just recently, Trish and I were in uh, Spain, and we hired a car to get around. We've done that many, many times before. And, of course, the laws are different. First of all, the vehicle. So because my arms and legs are not really long, and you may, may or may not have already noticed that, I did not continue to sit on the right-hand side, trying to reach over. I had to move to the left because there's a left-hand drive. They drive on a different side of the road. Now, we could say, well, I've been driving for many, many years, and I've always, driven on, I've always sat on the right-hand side. Why should I change? Well, actually, the law liberates me. If I drive on the right in, in, in Spain, I'll drive on the left here, easy to get confused, but not while you're doing it. Um, if I drive on the right, I'm free to operate that vehicle and travel to where I want to go. The law, if you like, gives me freedom. And the boundaries that God puts into our lives are not to make life horrible, and not to make life boring, because I don't believe the Christian life is that for one moment. The laws that are in our lives to live well, to live according to God's Word, liberate us to live the best life possible. We get freedom. We're not constrained. We are free to live well, and God helps us with that. That's what the laws, but we will be, says, we'll be judged by the law that gives Freedom, a bit of a contrast. So, in other words, if we have received mercy, it's down to us to show mercy to others. So, we can't say, well, I've received that, then I'm going to be really harsh on other people. That's not how the law of freedom works. James on Life says, live your life in such a way that proves that you expect to answer to God someday for your actions. That's quite a sobering thought. We have been forgiven. Grace covers everything. We ask for forgiveness. We repent. God forgives us. Absolutely. But we live our lives with that in mind. No, we don't have an excuse to say, well, I couldn't help it, and that's just kind of the way I am. No, that won't wash because we've been given freedom and what that means, the Holy Spirit living in us gives us the strength to say no to the things we shouldn't do and say yes to live the life that God has always planned for us. So James on Life says, live your life in such a way that proves that you expect to answer to God. He does also say, James on Life says, don't be a self-righteous religious nut and point out the faults in others without looking at yourself. That was my paraphrase. We can't live our lives harshly judging others, but expecting God's grace and mercy to be all over us. We have to live. We have, grace and mercy has to flow out of us just as it has flowed into us from the goodness of God. So we don't, we're not partial. We show impartiality. We treat everyone the same. The law of freedom says that we can live well for others because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Quite a sobering thought. If we've been shown mercy, and you know, many of us have been Christians for a long, long time. That doesn't mean that we haven't made any mistakes since we became a Christian. I guess we all have. Well, I'll just put my own hand up for that. But when we go to God, He, gives, he forgives us. When we go back to God, He gives us another chance. God is always merciful. 
always merciful. And that mercy of God doesn't mean that I can then live anywhere I want to live. And it doesn't really matter how I treat others or how I live or what I do, what I don't do. That's not what this is saying. It's saying as you've been received mercy, then we show mercy to others and we love other people. Jesus Uh, made the same point in the parable of the unforgiving servant when the servant was forgiven much and then he he met somebody who owed him something and he and he wouldn't forgive and he sent them he sent them to be to prison Uh, how he could ever pay the debt in prison I don't know but he, he just treated him harshly and Jesus said that's not the way those who have received mercy are to be merciful and kind of mercy is another another word for forgiveness. Only God can forgive sins, but we can forgive each other. If you've been offended, if something's happened to you, you can, the Bible tells us, be merciful, show mercy. Don't be, don't be harsh. Jesus said in, in the Beatitudes in Matthew uh, chapter 5, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. James flips it around the other way and says, if you're not merciful, why do you expect mercy? But God, we know that the goodness of God tells us that no matter what we've done, messed up, slipped up, we go back to God, He brings us for forgiveness. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we don't take this on board and say, I am condemned because I've done that this week, or I've done, I haven't done that. No, we're coming back to God and say, God, forgive me, give us another goal, give us another chance. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The Message Bible puts it, puts it this way. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Great. And it does. And it does. When, when there is a collision course between mercy and judgment, mercy always wins. Love always wins. Not condemnation doesn't win. Uh, judgment doesn't win because mercy always wins. If we give, put ourselves in the hand of God, then His mercy, His grace, His love always wins. Our sins might argue against us. But Christ Jesus, our loving advocate, is arguing for us. He is our advocate. He he represents us before the Father. This is what our sins, our wrongdoing might be stacked up. Seems like a mountain, but mercy just is coming against it, flattens it, because mercy always triumphs over judgment. When we in turn should display God's mercy, God's type of mercy to others. To be graceful, to be thankful, to be forgiving, to be a person who looks for a way to help someone else get along because mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is like forgiveness. And and mercy is like withholding punishment. When we show mercy to someone, we're withholding. This is what we deserve, but that's not what we get because mercy triumphs over judgment. And I want to speak to you this morning and, and about that whole idea about the royal law being loving your neighbor as yourself. And I was, as I've been studying this this week and thinking about this week, I'm saying, God, 
speak to me, show me if there's anything in my life, my day-to-day life, where this doesn't line up, where I'm not fully fulfilling this royal law. And I want to invite you to do the same, not to be condemned, but to become more like Jesus. Because when we become like Jesus and we reflect the love of God to people, that's what James is talking about, about living well and making a difference in our society. Only God in his mercy can forgive us, and he's ready to do that. But God's mercy will always triumph over judgment, because mercy is sovereign, more powerful, greater than judgment. And so for us to think about how we love our neighbors, ourselves, but also to think about, have I received God's mercy? First of all, love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to start loving yourself. Not, not in, a, in, a, in a kind of crazy, over-the-top way, but just appreciating who you are in God and what God's done for you and what God can do through you and with you. We've been, uh, in our Blackburn Life Group, we've been thinking about a, a, a statement, a phrase that we've been kind of knocking backwards and forwards a couple of times over the last uh, couple of weeks. And it's amazing how God has been kind of given each of the, in the group different opportunities to share their faith and different things like that. But when we read James, we see that it's clear that James is saying God does, the statement is God doesn't want us to just agree with him. He wants us to do something with him. Now, that, that, that's, to me, that's a powerful thought. God doesn't want us just to say, yeah, I agree with that, and then go and live anywhere. No, he wants us to, to, to work with him and, and do things with him. Not just to do things for him, but to do things with him. So that's what loving our neighbors, I think, I believe, looks like. And there's so many expressions of that in our church community. I could, I, I could list many of them, and I would miss out probably more than I would list. You know what that is. And what you do working with God is not necessarily the same as someone else will be called to do. And that's okay, because one thing's not better than another. We just get involved in where we can and do what we can. So loving your neighbor. But if you've got a hard time loving yourself, I want to pray for you that you'll see, begin to see yourself as God sees you. To understand that you are actually, the Bible says, the apple of his eye. Oh, how good's that? That's amazing. God loves you that much. And that you would receive mercy, and then we can be merciful. Let's pray. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media 